Let me see you put them up. Reach the sky, touch the stars up above, cause it's one time for the underdog. One time for the underdog. I'm Patrick host of ITM, and today I'm going to talk to you about 12 mistakes I made my first year as an entrepreneur. The dumbest mistake I almost made my first year as an entrepreneur is I almost quit. I almost quit. I almost believe I couldn't do this. I almost believe being an entrepreneur wasn't for me. I almost believed that everyone that said, Pat, you don't have what it takes to be an entrepreneur. I almost believed it and I almost gave up. Almost. I almost quit my first year as an entrepreneur. That would have been above everything else, the dumbest mistake I would have made as an entrepreneur. Number two, I tried to become a CEO president too early. Um, And let me explain to you what I mean. Trying to organize too much too early. When you are a brand spanking new entrepreneur, I did a video last week, it was called a phone call to starving entrepreneurs. You can see the picture here. It's a phone call I made. It's like a four minute video. If you haven't listened to it, you click on the link on the bottom, you'll be able to listen to it. My message was very simple. See, when I think about the word entrepreneur, right? When I think about the word entrepreneur, what's the first thing that comes to mind? For instance, if I were to tell you right now, what's the first word that comes to mind when I say Microsoft? What do you think about? You may have said Bill Gates. What's the first word that comes to mind when I say Apple? You may have said Steve Jobs. What's the first word that comes to mind when you think about the Lakers? You may have said Kobe. What's the first thing that comes to mind when I say Chicago Bulls? Michael Jordan. What's the first thing that comes to mind when I think about Golden State Warriors? Steph Curry. Whatever it is, that first word. What's the first thing that comes to mind when I say the word entrepreneur to you? What is it? What is it? I don't want to say mine yet. What's your first? First. See, to me, entrepreneur, first is sales and numbers. Now, you may have said create a problem, solve a problem, da, 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 da. If you don't know how to sell and you don't look at the world of business as a number formula you got to solve, you're not, because the only way an entrepreneur is an entrepreneur is because entrepreneurs sell something. Zuckerberg sells, Bezos sells, Elon Musk sells. They are salesmen first. Sam Walton sold first. Ben Franklin was a salesman first. An entrepreneur must first learn how to graduate. Sales first. Back in the days when you moved up in a company, the way everybody came to the top of the company, it wasn't like how it is today when people go get a fancy degree and they start off at a you know, vice president. Back in the days when you worked out by the company, everybody started selling first. Why? Because you had to know what it was to be a salesperson, touching the customers, talking to the customers, and connecting with everybody else as an executive that you know what the salespeople do on a daily basis. If you don't know what salespeople do on a daily basis, you don't know how to connect with them. And you don't know how to connect with the customer, his frustration, her frustration. So... My biggest mistake first year was I tried to be too much of a business owner instead of learning how to sell first and survive based on my selling abilities of making money as a salesperson. Dumbest mistake I made was number two dumbest mistake I made. Number three, trying to take advice from too many people. Let me tell you what I mean by trying to take advice from too many people. If you're not pregnant yet or if you haven't, you as a woman are not pregnant, I've never been pregnant or you haven't been a man with a wife who hasn't been pregnant yet. When that does happen, and if it has, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody wants to give you advice. Let me tell you what's the best thing to do. You want to have a natural baby. You want to do C-section. You want to do this. You want to take Pitocin. You want to do that. You want to go do this. You want to take the epidural. You know, I want to do this. because And whatever they tell you, they're telling you because that's what they did. Just know this. And when you raise your kids, that's the best way to raise your kids. The way we raise our kids, we raise our kids because we put them through this and we put them through that and we put them through this. That's great. Everyone has opinion. And by the way, this doesn't mean they're wrong. 
and it doesn't mean they're right. It's their opinion. The way I take opinion from the people is, here's what I had to do. I took way too much advice from way too many people. My first mentor was in nine different sales companies at the same time selling nine different products. And he told me that's the way to do it, multiple streams of income. I realized that's not the way to do it. Not the way to do it. It still is not working for him. That was my first mentor at 20 years old, 21 years old. I took it, trying to take advice from way, way too many people instead of simplify who has the life that you want to have and what are they doing at the phase that you were at in business? What were they doing at that phase? Sometimes we don't take the right type of advice because we see somebody that's already got the lifestyle that we want. They come at the office at 11 o'clock and they, you know, they do this and we think we have to have that life. No, I want to know how you were when you were in the hunt building your business. So take advice from people who have the life that you have and ask them how they did and what they did when they were at your level getting started, not at their level. It's irrelevant what they're doing at their level. It's at your level. So take advice from established entrepreneurs. I took advice from too many people that gave me too many different opinions and my brain was going all over the place until I finally realized this is what I'm doing myself. Number four, not knowing how to ask for advice. Not knowing how to ask for advice. So sometimes, you know, because you're an employee, and you want to become an entrepreneur, an employee doesn't necessarily ask for advice. An employee is told what to do and you go do it. No one goes and says, so how do you think I become a better employee? Very few people ask, how do I become a better employee? How do I become better in my department? Most employees, I don't like this place, boom, I leave. Oh, I don't like this place, they don't take care of me, boom, I leave. Oh, I don't like this. Instead of, you know, in my environment, I'm kind of like, you come tell me what we need to do. You come ask me what we need to do to get better. What do we need to do to make this department better? What do we need to do to make the company better? I want to hear from you. But most companies are not like that. Most companies, the employees are told what to do and they do it, right? So when you go from being an employee to an entrepreneur, your mind hasn't yet shifted to go into, you know, asking for advice. And as an entrepreneur, when you go into becoming an entrepreneur, you got to learn how to ask advice from the right people. Kind of point number three and four is the same thing. But learning how to ask advice from the right people. How do I do this? You know, at what, when you were at my face, how did you do this? When you were new like me, what did you do? Not where you are now. I hear sometimes on some conference calls. So, hey, you made $193,000 last month. What did you do this month? It has anything they did this month means nothing to you. You got to ask them. When you were making $3,200 a month like I am today, and you were at this level when you only had 17 customers, what were you doing every single day? That's the right question on how to ask for advice. Then making 196 is the final product. That means nothing to you. What were you doing at this phase? If you want to sell yourself to dream and be excited, that's fine. I understand that. But if you want to know how to, you got to ask what they were doing when they were at your level. Point number five, forcing versus influencing. I try to force too much. Uh, I force too much on my clients, on my staff members, on my sales force. My first year, oh my gosh, I was just way, way too much about forcing people to become successful, forcing people to realize why they made the decision to, it was just too much force, way too much force, instead of trying to influence. It's almost like trying to manage everyone's success instead of leading. And finally, I just said, you know what? This is putting way too much pressure on me than anybody else because their success is predicated on me. If they don't succeed, then I'm taking, I said, you know what? I got to set an example of success and then I'm going to lead and influence them with my example. That took weight off my shoulder 
and they enjoyed my style of leadership because it was purely influential. It was more about example than it was about, you better do this, you better do that. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? It was more about, here's what I did. Here's what I'm doing. This is what's working for me. This is what I suggest. Here's what I request. I had to learn by a ton of mistakes on going from force to influence, from managing to just leading and setting an example. Uh, Point number seven, um, living the dream. uh, Point number six, living the dream too early. Living the dream too early. What does that mean, living the dream too early? Um, When I started the business, I made some money, so I went and got a brand spanking new car, big car payment, was driving everybody around. I was going to the, you know, out and buying drinks for everybody and partying and, hey, Pat's in the house. It's so cool. What up, Pat? You know, and I was good in the party scenes. I like that. So, you know, oh my gosh. And so lifestyle big, going to Vegas, spending 10 grand on a week, weekend when I don't even have $10,000. I'm just, it's okay. The money is coming on future success and future sales. Boom. Lost everything. Money, girl, car, everything, gone. First year, gone. Wiped out. Credit card score 484. Everyone's calling, collecting debt. You're one, okay? That's what happened when I tried to live the dream too early, way, way too early. Now, I think there's a mistake as well trying to leave it delayed too long as well because, you know, people also want to see that you're expanding in your life too. There's got to be a part of that that's taking place that you're expanding in your life too. But living the dream too early, trying to act as if way too early, I don't think that's a benefit either. Because at the end of the day, the number one rule of being in business is what? To stay in business. You got to make sure you're staying in business to be able to have a shot at growing your business. And living the dream too early, living too large too early can backfire on you. Next, number uh, seven, trying to sell too many products as an entrepreneur. So I'll give you a, a story for myself. I remember when I first chose the financial industry. So I got started with Morgan Stanley Dean Witter and I'm getting my series 7, 66, 31, 26, life and health. I'm going to go into the financial industry. Okay. I got started day before 9-11. My first day in Morgan Stanley Dean Witter was a Monday was 9-10. 2001 is a day before 9-11. And I got involved. It was probably the worst time to be involved in the financial industry. Market tanked about a thousand points the next day. 9-11 happens. No one wants to buy stocks, mutual funds. No one wants to talk to an advisor. Market kept going lower and lower. Trust in the market was down. Fear, war, anxiety, panic. No one wanted to deal with anything, right? And I saw mortgages start climbing up. And that's when Negam, if you've seen the movie The Big Short, uh, who's in The Big Short? The Big Short has who? It has, uh, uh, I want to say, Ryan Gosling is in The Big Short. Who's the funny guy from The Office? What's the funny guy's name from The Office? Um, Pharrell, Carell, Steve Carell? Steve Carell's in The Big Short. Actually, some pretty big shot actors on The, on the Big Short. Christian Bell, Brad Pitt. Christian Bell, Brad Pitt, yeah. So, you know, the whole thing is about the Negam uh, business, mortgages, where pick a payment, negative amortization, whatever you want to call this program that came from Australia. There you have four payments. You can pay the 15-year loan, the 30-year loan, the interest only, or the negative amortization, which whatever payment you're making, your loan gets bigger and bigger every single month. So everybody, buy this house. I know it's a $720,000 house, but you only need to make a payment of, you know, $1,920. And who knows, five years from now, it may go up. And then boom, it went up. But I was tempted to get into the mortgage world. And I saw all these people doing it. I made 28 grand, I made 200 grand, this guy made 400 grand, this guy made 600 grand last month and he's doing this, 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 this. Everybody in LA wanted to get into this. I was this tempted, nothing wrong with the guys that did it. People who did it the right way made a lot of money, more power to them. 
But I had chosen the insurance and the financial industry. That's the industry I chose. And I was tempted this close. One weekend I came back and one guy was kicking my butt. This one guy was completely kicking my, one of my competitors was killing me. And I'd have to go and sit in the room and just watch this guy beating everybody up. Mortgage, 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 mortgage. And so I said, we also need to do mortgage. He's also doing escrow. He's also doing real estate. He's also doing this. He's also doing that. He's also doing title. He's also getting, he's got his money, all this other. We have to try to become like a bank and we have to do property and casualty as well. And we have to do tax services as well. We have to do, and I said, nope. Went back to the book, Blue Ocean Strategy. And Blue Ocean Strategy said, get leaner, get tighter, fewer products, focus on a product. That's what's going to work. And not having read that book, I read it afterwards, realizing by pure luck I made the right decision. But I was this close of selling many, many, many different products instead of being focused about a product. The challenge as an entrepreneur is when you choose an industry, there's going to be booms happening in a lot of different industries, whatever industry you're going to choose. And there's always an industry that seems more sexier. I wish I would have came out with the next Snapchat, the next Instagram, the next Facebook, the next Twitter. It just seems it's more sexy to come out with the Groupon or to come out with this, you know, uh, I just wish I would have, our business is boring. You know, I wish I wasn't in this boring type of, it doesn't matter. I am going to more hedge my money towards the guy that's all in an industry to master that industry than I am with the guy that's constantly trying to chase the next big thing that's taking place. And I watch guys, they went from Negam, from mortgages into REO, to short sale, to real estate, to, you know, commercial, to uh, modification, to selling gold, to debt sediment, to credit repair, to credit restoration, to so many, 25 different things. And I kept telling everybody, sell one product, man. Sell one product, one product, one product. Can you do that? Sell one product. And uh, I almost made that mistake and it cost me my business on where I'm at. So don't try to sell too many products. Become focused and intentional on one product, one industry you're choosing. Uh, number eight, uh, thinking I knew it all. I mean, literally when I got started, I was, uh, I was a young kid, just a knucklehead who thought he knew everything, you know, 21 years old. I would have been so annoyed coaching myself at that time because I thought I knew everything. And then uh, the best thing that ever happened to me, the best thing that ever happened to me is I hit rock bottom. By far the best thing that ever happened to me is hitting rock bottom. I think, I think for men, I have two boys and I'm gonna be in pain when I witness these guys go through this. But I think the best thing that can happen to a man is a heartbreak, a very strong heartbreak and a very big failure early on in business. And it happened to me early on in life, both heartbreak and business, it happened early on because I thought I knew it all. And it was a slap in the face to save. Socrates says, the only thing I know is that I know nothing if the greatest minds on their deathbed are saying things like that, what makes you and I think we know everything? Quite frankly, everything I'm saying on Valuetainment may be inaccurate. Every single thing I'm saying on Valuetainment, you may come back and my opinions may be wrong. It's worked for me. This is how it's worked for me. For me, it's more about teaching how to think than actually what to think. I want to get an entrepreneur to learn how to think than what to think. But we don't know everything. We got to learn how to adjust. We got to learn how to adapt. We got to learn how to get better. We got to learn how to improve. And so the mindset of thinking you know it all and all the concepts, it's just, it's not a place you want to be because it means advancements doesn't come around the corner. And I had the know-it-all attitude at a young age and it almost cost me. There's a benefit to that. There's a benefit because you become edgy, you push the envelope a little bit, but there's also the, the, the leveling off to know that maybe you don't really know this. And let me ask and question somebody I respect 
to give me proper direction that I trust that maybe they can challenge my position and opinion, but it's good that I have the audacity. So I like it. The fact that there's audacity that you're pushing the envelope, but there's got to be coachability and learnability that you want to learn and advance as well. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are. Everyone's got to have somebody that they have a mentor that's giving them direction with. So it was good that I, had, I got at that pretty quickly. Point number nine, I partied way too hard. Uh, way too hard. I mean, I have stories of how hard I partied. I liked Thursday night because it was ladies' night. The best night was Thursday night. I mean, we used to go to, uh, uh, um, we had, this is back in the days, Dublin's. I don't know how many times I got kicked out of Dublin's. Man, Dublin's is now shut down. But uh, Dublin's was just heavenly for me. I mean, they had a, we had a great time at Dublin's. We had a great time at Miyagi's, Saddle Ranch, all these other clubs that they had in Hollywood. I mean, you name it. We went through every single one of these things. We just party like crazy. And we'd go to Vegas and Dre's is open till today. But back in the days, Dre's was the late, you know, after hours. And we go all these other places, just partying. So Thursday night, then Friday night, then Saturday night, then Sunday night. And then you're trying to get up in the morning and go work on Friday morning. And you came home at 3.30. And you go to work and you're kind of like jet lagged and, you know, uh, from Vegas flight back or whatever it is. And you have no energy and you're going to work. No, I'm going to pull it off because I'm drinking three Red Bulls today. Nope. I want to be focused. I did that for a couple of years. And then my friends will tell you from high school, I went from being the most ridiculous, crazy party guy that wanted to do all that stuff to the most boring guy that said, stop calling me. I don't want to party anymore. Uh, one incident took place one night at a nightclub at uh, Highlands, which was a ugly fight that almost led to arrests and all this other stuff. And I said, don't call me anymore. I don't want to deal with this. The only way I'm going to party is I'm going to party going around the world and seeing the world. And I want to celebrate with some ridiculous celebrations and business and success in life. All this other party stuff, the drinks, the girls, it's so boring after a while, man. It's like the same old crap over and over again. There is no real life and substance behind it. I want the juice of life. I want to hide that last till the day I die. I want to be naturally high. This is why I don't drink coffee. I don't drink Red Bull. I don't eat any of these energy stuff. I don't. I want the natural highs of life is what I'm seeking, what I'm looking for. But it almost cost me a business because I thought... Well, listen, man, we watch these movies, Wolf of Wall Street and Boiler Room, and you got to go and party very hard because that's what these guys do in the movies. BS. If you want that life, you go get it. If you want the bigger real life, the real, real players, that's not how they party, man. They own the nightclub. They don't party with the people at the nightclub. They own the business. They own the products being sold. They don't go in there mingle and doing all that other stuff. And so it's all based on your standards and what you want to do. But I can't lie. I've been to hundreds of ladies' nights. I've been to a club many times. If you're my age and you're from California, we've probably partied at some of the same places together. Okay, all right. Let's not bring any memories, by the way. If you know me from the past, we don't need any comments on the bottom, okay? Number 10, acting like a boss instead of an employee. I made that mistake. Let me tell you what I mean. So I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur now, man. I get to do whatever I want to do. I can come in whenever I want in my hours. And, you know, it's just so I'm, I'm a, nobody tells me what to do. I'm an entrepreneur. I come out 11 o'clock if I want to because I chose to be an entrepreneur. And you're going to fail. When a person goes from being an employee to an entrepreneur, they're missing one thing. They don't have a boss anymore. And they're not used to being a boss. And they don't make a good boss. If you were a boss, you'd be a boss in your past life. And you're not a good boss. That's why you were never a boss in your past life. If you're a boss, you're a boss. Okay? So when you become an entrepreneur, one thing's missing. You don't have somebody that's going to hold you accountable. You don't have somebody that's going to tell you, what were you at 8 o'clock in the morning? You don't have that. You don't even like when somebody does that to you because no one's paying you hourly anymore. 
No one's paying you 20 bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour, 30 bucks an hour, 40 bucks or whatever it is. So who's someone to tell you, what were you this morning? Nobody is. So that environment that you're going into, you're thinking to yourself, what the hell am I doing? You know, so if you don't hold yourself accountable or don't have somebody that's going to hold you accountable, a, a person, somebody that's directing you, challenging you, a running mate, a partner, many times you'll see that not working out. So for me, I went in, I wasn't a good boss to myself. It cost me my first year. And then eventually, obviously, self-motivated, you learn how to hold yourself accountable, all this other stuff, and the rest is history. But you're one, I've seen many people not make it because of that. So point number 11 kind of follows that, is not having a schedule. Create a schedule and stick to it. And punish yourself if you don't. Like literally, I didn't have a schedule, it was just kind of like showing up. Create a schedule just like a, uh, um, um, you have a job, except at a job you work nine to five, as an entrepreneur you work seven to 10, just so you know that. <laughs> you don't go become an entrepreneur, work a few hours. You go become an entrepreneur because you work twice as many hours, but then you own your own business and you control the time. Most people don't become entrepreneurs because they make more money. They want control and freedom and a lifestyle. And that lifestyle may take three, five, 10 years. It won't happen overnight. It won't happen overnight. So, but set a schedule and stick to it. And the last one I'll tell you, the last one I'll tell you is, is the value of a business plan. You know, I remember I got started uh, uh, early on and I was on this uh, meeting and this one girl who had gotten involved in business, we had both become advisors right around the same time, she uh, wrote a business plan, 60-page business plan. I'm going to make this kind of money. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm just scratching my head. I'm like, man, I have no idea how to even write a business plan. I don't even know what a business plan is. And there was not like internet to go and type in seven points to write a business plan. There was no online blogs, you know, on how to write a business plan. So I don't know how to write a business plan. What am I going to do on writing a business plan? So the value of a business plan is this much when you're year one of an entrepreneur. Your business plan should be actionable items and habits to learn and apply every day, such as I'm going to make 250 calls today. I am going to give away 50 business cards today. I am going to network online and connect with 50 people on social media today. And what counts, so I'm not just going on newsfeed Facebook, I'm getting numbers and scheduling follow-up appointments. That's what counts. Habits. I'm going to read an hour per day. I'm going to study my trade an hour per day. The business plan is not, here's what I'm going to hit quarter number one, quarter number two, quarter number three. It's more, I'm going to learn this skill set this month. Then I'm going to learn this skill set this month. Then I'm going to learn this skill set this month. Then I'm going to learn this skill set this month. That's a business plan, not a 75-page business plan. A habit, skill set, discipline plan is really what's critical over all the other stuff. So, you know, very, very critical. Reading and putting that part of your plan on a daily basis is very important because you're improving your mindset, self-affirmation, you know, self-auto-suggestion statements you're telling yourself, books you're reading on how to improve yourself, audio CDs you're listening to, things that get you going. Very, very important uh, for doing that. Um, and obviously, when you do that plan, it's eliminating certain relationships, certain associations, who you want new to be in your life. That's what the plan is. The plan is not a business business plan that you have to write this intimidating business plan that a kid from USC with an MBA is going to teach you how to write and it's charging you 1500 bucks. Nonsense. I've seen hundreds of kids coming out of big universities writing business plans as entrepreneurs who failed and are working at somebody right now for nothing. 
So it, it, writing a business plan to value with year one, not a lot. Year three, year five, year 10, more, because then you understand the cycles of the business, the seasons of the business. You know, you're more of a mature entrepreneur, dot, 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 dot. Thanks everybody for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five star, write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick B. David. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.